Hey, 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 how's it going, Gold Street Garden family? Thank you for joining us for another podcast episode. This is Pastor Dominic, and I just want to thank you for allowing us the opportunity to be able to pour into your lives to reveal Jesus in greater measure to you personally. There is nothing more exhilarating than the daily rediscovery of Jesus. And what a beautiful, beautiful moment we get to share when we share it looking at the Lamb of God. We just want to let you know that if you want more info on the church, you can go to goldstreetgarden.com. You can follow us on all the main social media platforms to stay up to date on all of what's going on in our community. We love you all and we pray that you are impacted deeply and greatly by today's episode and teaching. We love you all. God bless. Awesome. Well, we are really perfectly positioned. Uh, we have, uh, like I said, Brian Gearn's going to be with us next week. We're so excited about that. And we've been spending multiple weeks talking about the Lord's Prayer, mainly through the, the concept that the disciples asked Jesus how to pray. And then Jesus gives them the framework of the Lord's Prayer. And Jesus never intended that the Lord's Prayer just be something that's mindlessly recited. And that's what it's really come in church culture. I mean, if, you know, certain denominations and stuff, it's just like they know the Lord's Prayer, they can say it, but they, they don't even have a clue what they're saying. Um, not to be mean, it's just the only I can say that because I was there before I was raised Catholic, you know, um, Methodist, we went back and forth. We were called CEOs. If you're not familiar, it means Christmas and Easter only. <laughs> it's the only time uh, uh, we would go to uh, services or whatever. So it was like uh, that very limited understanding. And we've been going through what Jesus emphasized as the top priorities of prayer, like, like almost like a maturing, evolving conversation. And this past Saturday, or this past Sunday, when we came in here for prayer, anybody that was here for prayer may have even been shocked at our prayer night. And the reason is, is because I'm all for, the Bible says, make your requests known to God. And absolutely, there are, there are times we, we go boldly, we bring things before the Lord, but God had it in my heart that we were actually coming to a prayer night and our the Lord was showing me that when Paul prayed in the Bible, when Jesus prayed in the Bible, when they were in the upper room and they prayed before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, they weren't like, God, save our nation. God, we pray for our president. God, this, God, this. We, they actually, their main prayers were, Lord, we want to we want to truly know you. We want the, we want, we want the riches of your, of what Christ has done to be known in our hearts. Like that was what Paul would pray. That's what Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed for unity. And I think that sometimes when we think of a prayer night or we even think of prayer, we actually immediately think of what problems can I tell God about? And I want to remind you, don't allow your problems to control your prayer life. Let his presence conduct your prayer life. Our problems shouldn't be the main content of prayer. In fact, 
And I'm not saying not to bring your, your, like I said, the Bible does say, but it says bring them with thanksgiving because we enter his courts with what? Thanksgiving and through his, well, his courts with, his, uh, his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So when we go and bring requests, we're bringing them to that degree. So I say all that to say that when we came here, our only agenda was to to see him. And you know what started happening is we just got before the Lord quietly and then we started reading scripture from the Bible and scripture actually sounded like rhema word. You, and if you're not familiar with that, the, the written word, like the words you can see on your Bible page, that's called logos. That means it's just the written word, but the Holy Spirit will he'll breathe on the words and then it becomes a rhema word, which is a revelation that you get in your heart. And when you get still before God, what does the Bible say in Psalm 46? Be still and know that I'm God. So if you get still before him, you actually position yourself to receive revelation of who he is. But we've culturalized prayer so much that we think that the more we say the more powerful it is. We think the louder we are, the more powerful. It's not true. In fact, the more silent you are, the more you can hear. It's not about how loud you project, it's how you position yourself to hear. Because positioning yourself to hear is one of the greatest signs of humility. You know, even in, in marriage with my wife, you know one of the greatest blessings I can give her is to listen, right? Women know what I'm talking about, right? It's like, just listen. Don't, you don't, 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 inter, don't interject with what you think would be better. Let me, let, listen. And it's the same thing with God, that it's a relationship. And if we truly value his presence, then we would gift him our ear. And so I wanted to start with that and I also want to say this right before we dive into this, because the Lord, the Lord just gave me a bunch of scripture tonight, and Holy Spirit's got to connect the dots. I'm usually, I, I the Lord usually ha has me super prepared with things, and tonight the Lord said, I, I, I want you to rest as you minister. So, however it happens tonight, it happens. So I'm just letting you know we're on a roller coaster tonight, and it's going to be beautiful. The great exchange, the greatest exchanges between God and man weren't seen. And I want to explain that. So you got you to gotta follow me with that. When God breathed life into Adam in, G in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, can anybody see breath? You can't see breath. He breathed his life into Adam and then Adam became a living soul, a living spirit, a living being. When Jesus rose from the grave in John chapter 20, and he saw the disciples, you know what he did? He breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. In the upper room, when they were praying, what did it say? A mighty rushing wind came in and the Holy Spirit. Did you see all three of the Godhead, their greatest exchanges with man weren't something that was seen, but the effects of it were. Do you see that that's what prayer truly is, is that prayer is something that in the moment you can't see what is happening, but it's the greatest exchange of life that God is breathing into you. Did you know when you get alone with God, that one breath from God is greater than a thousand words of man's wisdom? 
that just getting in his presence and hearing him breathe. I know that sounds crazy to some, but I've given this example that when I'm with my wife, and I use my wife as a relationship because that's what God said Christ in the church is, is marriage, that I love just being alone with my wife, and we don't even have to talk to enjoy each other's company. You know, you know what I'm talking about, that sometimes, there's sometimes when you know you're uncomfortable with a guest, the more you feel like you have to initiate conversation. It makes, it, it, you know what I'm talking about, like if you're with somebody you haven't talked to before, it's like a friend of a friend, you feel like you have to initiate to kind of show some sort of compatibility, fine, but when you're with somebody you really love, the fewer words are necessary. Because the company alone is so personal, it's so special. So is everybody following me that the greatest exchanges between God and man aren't something that's seen, but the effects of it are. And we talked about that a few weeks ago. You gotta be watchful with prayer that you don't gauge your prayer life on the external realm. Like, God, I'm not seeing it, I'm not seeing that. No, are just when you get alone with him, and we're gonna show how important it is that we get alone with God. So we've been going between Luke 11 and Matthew 6, and I really want you to know we, we are going to slip into something. I use that terminology kind of loosely that I believe that as we're ministering tonight, as we're talking about him, that people in this room are going to experience the love of God afresh, uh, the presence of God. Do you believe that? Do you, you like? Don't just think you came here to to just get in, encouraged. I really believe that God is such an experiential God. Like He wants you to tangibly experience Him. And I think that the church sometimes feels like it has to present a a whole a presentation it has to it has to put on a show to get people to be like yeah I love this church or I love what this is doing I'm telling you the presence of God is the main attraction that if we learn to host his presence people will come from all over and I, I gotta share this because the Lord's putting it on my heart right before we read you know uh there's some people that were with us when we used to do a college and career ministry, ATM. If you were, you know, the people were member. One of the things we would do is we had services on Tuesday nights then. Uh, Tuesday nights have always been special to me. Uh, it's actually the third day, if you, according to Jewish calendars. So it's the day that um, Jewish couples get married. Um, so even when we have our own building, we'll still do Tuesday nights and then we'll do Sunday mornings too. Uh, but one of the things that took place was... Every Tuesday morning, you know what we would do? We would go to the church at 6 a.m. And we would pray for an hour. We would all just, we would pray over every chair. We would pray over the threshold. We would put anointing oil on the chairs, on the threshold. We'd pray together. And then I would ask everybody at the end, did you hear anything specifically from God? Sometimes people would say, blue shirt or black hat. And guess what? That night, a new visitor would come wearing a blue shirt and they would get rocked by the power of God. 
because the Lord was preparing us through prayer. Something happens when you get alone with him. He reveals things that are about to happen because he has remarkable secrets he wants to share. Jeremiah 33.3. He wants to tell us things. And the reason I bring that story up is because there was one night, and I know the people will remember this. We were praying, and we prayed over the threshold, and it was the very end of service. And somebody, a prodigal son, somebody that used to run with us and hit the streets with us, had fallen deeply back into drugs, and he was even the head drug dealer in a certain arena. And he had it in his heart because the Lord was calling him. We were praying. We prayed that day, and somebody even brought his name up in prayer. And we were like, we haven't heard of him or saw him in, in a year And guess what? Very end of service. Like, people are kind of been dismissed, but people are all over the floor because that's how we always do it. And like, people just, very end of service. He, I see him, he walks through the threshold. And soon as he walked through the threshold, he hit the deck. He couldn't stand. The presence of God was so strong, he hit the deck and he, he, he started weeping and, and laughing. He gets up and he hands us all the money in his pockets from the drug deals. And I'm like, is anybody going to kill us for you giving us the, like, like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like in this, uh, I'm, I'm like, I go there sometimes. Like I was celebrating, but I was like, are you supposed to, but he gave us all the money and he said, I'm all in. And I just want you all to know that that same individual has gone to CFAN and he is now preaching all over the, uh, uh, and some people wouldn't know who he is. It's not Joe Turnbull, but it was, it was I remember it as broad as day that we prayed that morning, we always prayed, and he walked through the threshold and hit the deck. The presence of God. This is what God wants to do. It's supernatural. He's calling people home, but we have to be a people of prayer. We have to believe that when we pray, something is definitely going to happen, not because of how much we labor in prayer. It's, it's, it's about how much we allow him to impact us in the secret place. Amen. So Matthew 6, starting in verse 6, Jesus says this, but you And this is after the disciples asked him how to pray. He says this, but you, when you pray, do you think that Jesus has some valuable things to tell us about prayer? Do you think that if we want to learn about prayer, we should hear how Jesus taught us to pray? Not just read a book from somebody. Not to say that there aren't great books on prayer, but I mean, this is Jesus. (laughs) So when you pray, go into your room. Everyone say, go into your room. Now, I did a video over the weekend, and this is not my, my, my goal. We were doing the secret place, but he gives three points here that are so good. Can I encourage you all to tap into the secret place? What is the secret place? Well, Jesus tells us right here. He says, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. Everyone say secret place. There's three things he gives out here. He says, go into your room. And when he says, go into your room, what does a room reveal? A room reveals where you get dressed and undressed, right? So your room is where you are the most vulnerable. It's the place where you are the most transparent. You're unguarded in your own room, right? 
And so when Jesus says, go to your room, I don't believe he's only talking about a natural location because you know what's even more special is what does it say in John 14 that God has made his home within you. So when he says, go to your room, where's your home at? In your heart. So your heart, your heart is your home with him. So when he says, go to your room, he's like, it's time for you and me to get some alone time in your heart. That you have a person, that your home, go into the room of your heart and be transparent before me. And then he says, shut the door behind you. This is so important that you realize that you need to shut the noise out. That you have to shut. You know when Moses crossed the Red Sea? When the seas parted? and Did you know that God told Moses that he needed to turn around and shut the the water on the enemy? Did you know that? That when Moses crossed, the, he had to lift the staff up for the sea to part and for them all to walk. But when he got to the other side, God told him to raise the staff again so the water would crush the enemy. Do you know how many times that we get alone with God but we leave the door open for the enemy to come in and pull us back out? You have to shut things out. You gotta say that I'm shutting the door on what the enemy has tried to get me to identify in my past. I have to shut the door on what even my parents said about me when they didn't realize what they were saying. You know, David even said that even when my mother and father have forsaken me, my true father has never forsaken me. Do you, you know why David could say that? Remember when they were picking kings? David's own father didn't think David was even worthy to be considered a king. Could you imagine David's father is, puts all of his sons on display to be a king. And he doesn't even acknowledge his son David. He's forsaken by his father. His father's approval rating for David wasn't there. But you see, God loves finding those who have been pushed away by the world. He loves finding the, how many misfits are in here? You know, that what everybody else said, no, not you. I don't want you. God's like, I want that one. I want that one. And I'm about to blow heaven up on the earth. And God, God is going to say, he loves going after the orphan. He loves going after that. And if we would realize that sometimes the people we push away are who God, that's God's special project. Amen. And you have to shut the door on those things and give him your undivided attention. But then it says, in the secret place, your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. How many people want to be rewarded by God openly? Amen. I'm telling you, just, I don't, my desire is not to be heard and praised by man. I just want to encounter I am. I just want to encounter him again today. Every moment is an opportunity for heaven and his presence to fill. Did you know that? That every moment you can steward the moment. You know what eternity, what heaven is? It's just an unending moment with Jesus. In the world, we have to discipline moments to be focused, to stay attentive to him. So, he goes on to say, 
when you pray, do not use vain repetitions. So he actually, isn't it so funny that he says, don't use vain repetitions. And when everybody says the Lord's prayer, they just say, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Don't you know the Lord's prayer? You know, it's like, it's, he, he literally just said, don't do vain repetitions. And that's what the majority of people do with this prayer. When actually it's, it's an invitation did you know prayer is the most glorious invitation? It is an invitation to come and commune with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Did you know you can go to the secret place in your car while you're driving to and from work? In fact, you would probably give, you would probably talk to less people from inside your car about how they don't drive well if you were in the secret place. The secret place protects you from reacting with emotion. The secret place is a pavilion of his, his presence. If you want the wisdom of God, you need to be in the presence of God. Even God's greatest gifts from the unseen realm, what are they? Joy. Can you see joy? No, you can only see the effects of joy. Can you see peace? No. You can only see the effects of peace. But these are God's greatest gifts in the kingdom. Is that the unseen realm is sourcing what we're seeing in this realm, but it's so much more powerful. But prayer gives you access to this realm. And we're getting to that right now. So don't use vain repetitions. Is this helping anybody? I just want to make sure. So. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. For your father knows the things you have need of before you ask of him. In this manner, therefore, pray. All right, are you ready? We've been going over this. He says, our father, so prayer is what? 100% relational. You're talking to your father as a child who's in heaven. So that means eternal perspective above temporal perspective. Then he says, hallowed be your name. This is worship. There's nothing more important than worship. Worship is literally the highest form of prayer. That's why Jesus brings it here because he's showing us how to pray. How do you pray? You acknowledge him as father. You see that he's above your circumstances, and then what? You begin to worship. Because prayer without worship is, is fruitless. It, it's going to bear very minimal results. Because when you bring the gift of worship, God brings the best gift himself. When you bring the gift of worship, God brings the best gift himself. His presence is what you need and want and you don't even realize it. Some of the biggest things on your prayer list do not compare to his presence. And we see it from all the patriarchs and matriarchs in the Bible, like Moses. Moses was leading an entire nation. And in Exodus 33, it's so powerful. I, the thing I love about in verse 11 with Moses is that he is, he's leading an entire nation out of bondage. 
And he gets to a place where he says, I refuse to go forward, God, unless I know your presence is going to be with me. He's acknowledged as the main guy. He's like the president. He's the king of all these people making this. And he says, I don't even want to take another step forward unless your presence goes with me. And he's not even concerned with reaching the promised land because he realizes that the presence of God can even make the wilderness the promised land. That the promised land is not a location, but it's his presence. So many people think victory in life is a prayer request getting answered. Victory in life is knowing that his presence is all I need. You know why I, I can say that biblically? is because Paul in a jail cell said, I have learned in all things to be content. How can you say that from a, a, a prison cell? Because Paul turned a prison cell into paradise because the presence of God. The presence of God can take any situation and turn it into paradise. Do you believe that? I know that can be hard, but this is what prayer does, is prayer actually, the secret place is the school of his presence. If you want to learn, like when I get alone with him, that's how I minister. As I get alone with him and I sense what he's speaking to my heart, I can feel, and I'm being real, I can, his presence, it, 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 there's, there's words that aren't there, but every fiber of my being is being tapped by his presence. When I, there's a realm that you get to in his glory, and we can corporately get there, and it's all through the vehicle of prayer. So when he says, holy is your name, and just for a second, I, I just want to turn our affection to him as we, we go through the rest of this prayer. But when, when you just turn your heart and just close your eyes for a moment. I sing praises to your name. Oh, Lord, praises to your name. Oh, Lord, for your name is great. And greatly to be praised. I give glory to your name. Oh Lord, glory to your name. Oh Lord, for your name is great. And greatly to be praised. I sing praises to your name. Oh Lord, praises to your name. Oh Lord, for your name is great. And greatly to be praised. I give glory to your name. Oh Lord, glory to your name. Oh Lord, for your name is great. And greatly to be praised. 
and you just sing to him. You begin to thank him. And all of a sudden, this next line, he says, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Why is this the next thing he says after he worships? I want to show you something here. Did you know what kingdom is translated in Greek or Hebrew? You, go, you can go either way. You know what kingdom is translated radically? Realm. Dominion. What did God give Adam when he created the earth? He gave him what? Dominion. What is Jesus teaching us to pray that he says, your dominion come? Because man forfeited dominion to the enemy with our emotions, with our thoughts. But what prayer happens is you begin to, when you begin to worship, you begin to experience his presence. And your first request is, let that realm, let that presence I'm feeling come more into my life. That this is what prayer is, is that prayer is you tap into the presence through worship and then your desire becomes, I need more. I actually forgot what I was praying about because I just started feeling the presence of everything. I started feeling the presence of I am and this is why Jesus is teaching us how to pray. He's saying that when you begin to worship, your desire becomes your realm come, your kingdom come, your dominion come. And that's why, what does the Bible say? What did the psalmist say? He says, my cup overflows. Why does it say my cup overflows? Because once you get the presence of God, once you start experiencing it, all of a sudden you just want more even though you have enough. Your cup starts overflowing. You're like, I, I, I just got to get to the altar. I got I to gotta get on my face. I got to love on Jesus more because I've experienced him and I just need more. I want my cup to overflow, not because, I'm, not because I, I don't have enough or I'm parched. It's just because I've experienced something and I need more and more and more. And when you have an attitude like that, your overflow, everyone around you starts feeling the realm of his presence on you. They start feeling the dominion of his kingdom because they see an insatiable hunger that you've lost your mind because you've gained the mind of Christ and you are just at a place where I need more. I need more. This is what Prayer is, prayer is not just going through this little laundry list of things. God cares about what's on your heart. But guess what? When you get in his presence, he's like, I'm going to make sure my little boy gets that. Because he already knows what you have need before you ask. But what happens is that when you get into the secret place, your will disappears and his will becomes a revelation. And that's why the secret place is where the beauty of his will erases the need for you to have your own. When we were out Saturday, that was the thing that God spoke to me while we were out there helping. God said, I'm going to give you the desires of your heart because your desires are becoming mine. I'm going to give you the desires of your heart because the desires are becoming mine. 
This is what happens in prayer, and I, I, we haven't even got to what I want to say. <laughs> uh, um, oh, Jesus, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdoms. Everybody say this out loud, this last line. For yours is the kingdom. So what did he, what did he do right after he worshiped? What did he say? Your kingdom come. And how does he finish the prayer? Yours is the kingdom. What is he saying? He's saying, yours truly. That I asked for your kingdom to come, and now I am your kingdom. I'm where your kingdom rests because I'm a home for you. That the realm of his glory is now on the inside of you. And it says, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I, have, I wanted to tell you that what I sensed in my heart for just, a, you know, I'm not just starting right now, but I'm telling you what was the frame of heart for tonight was the vows of a faithful bride. On this last statement, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Did you know that amen means so be it, but it's, did you know the first time the word amen, amen, appears in the Bible is so weird. It is actually baffling and I'm a huge fan and of using the law first mention as a blueprint for the way a word is to be revealed throughout scripture and you know the first time the word amen appears is in numbers chapter 5 and you know what it's regarding it's regarding dealing with unfaithful wives this is very interesting Numbers chapter 5, you can read it for yourself. Unfaithful wives, what they would do, this is the first time the word amen is used. What they were, what Moses would do, the way that they would deal with unfaithful wives, is if a husband thought his wife had been unfaithful, he would take her to the tabernacle, okay? Take her to the place of worship, and then the priest would take some water, and take some dust from the floor of the tabernacle. And he would mix the water and the dust together. And he would then get the wife to drink the water. And when she drank the water, she would say, Amen. And if she had been unfaithful, she would die. And it would poison her. But if she had been faithful, and it was, it was not true, she would live. This is the first time the word amen appears in the Bible. Do you anybody think that's a coincidence? That amen, the way when he ends this prayer, he, when we pray so many times, we, when we say so be it, our prayer language is our vows of our faithfulness to God. That when we pray and we say amen, that's actually when the test begins to see if we believe what we prayed or not. Are we, are we faithful brides? Are we faithful wives? Like, what, are the things we praying about just a list of things we want to get done? Or is our, is our prayer vows to God? Our vows to our bridegroom? That God, whatever it takes to see your kingdom come. When we read this prayer, we're reading a prayer of, 
of blissful exchange, just getting caught up in his glory. And when you read that, it, it, it gets me to a place where I'm just like, Lord, I want to be, I want my prayer language, I want my prayer life to be a place where you are able to speak into me whatever you would need to. And when we were talking about the secret place, <laughs> John 14, 21 I haven't quoted this scripture in a while, and I actually felt so convicted about it today because it used to be one of my chief scriptures to, to quote all the time. But you know what Jesus says? He says, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will manifest myself to him. You see, there is something about the promises of God and getting these words so in your heart, not just to manipulate what you want to see happen in your life, but to get his life on the inside of you so you can manifest it all around you. It's no longer the gospel when the motives are selfish. It has to be him breathing through you and this life that, that comes. But just hear that scripture again. He who has my commandments. Well, what did Jesus say is the most important commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. He who has my commandments and keeps them, honors them as the, the focal point of his life. He says that I will love him, my father will love him, and I will manifest myself to him. How many people want Jesus to manifest more in their life? I'm talking Jesus' presence manifesting. When Jesus' presence manifests, nobody, this is how you can tell if somebody has seen the face of God, they live at his feet. <laughs> how do you know if somebody's seen the face of God? All you see after that is his feet. You can only see his face once and you're just like, ah, feet. <laughs> This is my home now, right on God's big toe. You know, it's like, it's, this, is, this, is where I, this is where I'm going to be. This is where I, you'll find me, God. When we were talking about Moses earlier in Exodus 33, right before that, it said that Moses would, that they would set the tabernacle away from the people, and God, Moses would go away and he would go towards the tabernacle and it said when Moses was walking towards the tabernacle everybody else would come out of their tent to just look at Moses because they knew that when Moses went to the tabernacle the presence of God would show up <laughs> that's a true worship leader because what did he do all he had to do was walk towards the glory and everybody else began to worship that's how you lead worship in your life. That's how you bring other people to Jesus is you just keep walking after the pillar of cloud. You keep walking after the glory. And as you do that, everybody else is like, I want to see what he's doing. Because it said that when the glory of God was there, it said it was like Moses was talking to God face to face. But what do we know about a cloud? You can't touch a cloud. You can't grab a cloud. You can't put a cloud in a glass. It's... It's the unseen realm. It was giving us a shadow of what is so real that when you get alone with God, did you know that there is an actual presence there? You're not talking to a God that's distant. You're talking to a God that never will leave you or forsake you. Start talking to him like that. 
Stop asking God where you at and start thanking him that he's there. He's there. In fact, he loves to be there when you think he's not just so he can show you how faithful he is. He loves showing up in your despair to show you that he can repair anything. He loves to show up in your brokenness. Just, you, that's the, what is this beautiful tension we have is that we are imperfect vessels in love with hosting perfection. <laughs> that's a beautiful tension. You know what? I, I was thinking about this on the way over here. When flowers are in a vase... The only way you know the flowers are beautiful is if they overflow out of the vase. If the flowers are at the bottom of the vase, you can't see it. That's what we're vessels to overflow the beauty of God. That there needs to be a, the, the overflow in your life is actually the sign of your intimacy. You can tell how mature someone is in the Lord based on their overflow. It's the sign of maturity of the believer that I don't need you to give me anything because he's given me everything. I'm not expecting you to say something nice to me because he already said everything I need to hear. I'm not, if you, if you tell me I'm not something, it doesn't matter because he's already told me who I am. It doesn't bother me. It shouldn't bother you. The enemy tries to bother you with dumb little comments and people say things to you, but if you're content in him, just let him talk. Let them talk because it just gives you ammunition to love. And when you begin to love, you tap into his realm. And his realm never fails. It's the realm of love. Is this helping anybody? <laughs> he wants to manifest himself. <laughs> we do we yield, we slip into a realm tonight. I want you all to know that, you remember when Jesus was in the, when they dropped the, the paralytic man from the roof? And then Jesus healed him, forgave him his sins. You know what the Pharisees said after that? We have seen very strange things here today. Sounds real, in, real intelligent of the Pharisees. We've seen very strange things here today. You ain't seen nothing yet. God's about to blow through his church. I've said this before, but you know the reason so many really educated atheists, there's one thing they can't shake, apologists of, you know, just really pushing that God's not real. You know the one argument they can't shake is they say, I just, they just don't understand how the apostles were willing to give their lives for something that was just a fable. When you fall so in love with the presence of God, there is nothing more dangerous than somebody in love. There's nothing more dangerous than somebody in love. I think anybody here, if there's a, 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 you have a spouse, children, you, you would get crazy for them. Is that true? Just think about that when it comes to God. Would he love so much that he would send his only son to make sure 
that you were rescued, had the opportunity to be accepted by him. You see, when love does something to you, it makes you, it makes you indestructible by the opinions of man because you're so in love. You don't care. It's, you just want to be with that person, and you'll do whatever it takes to get alone. You'll do whatever it takes that I just need Jesus. I just need more of Jesus. And if we get a people like that that just say, I'm going after the presence of God with everything, that when I get alone with him, I'm not leaving until I know him more, that we, we just get tenacious about it. Is anybody hearing me tonight that we want to get dangerous Dangerously in love. I just want to read. This past Saturday, I just read some scripture, and I, I, the Lord quickened me to read again. I literally just want to read. Can you close your eyes? And I just want to read some scripture. <laughs> Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing, one thing I have desired of the Lord that I will seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion in the secret place. Of his tabernacle, he shall hide me, he shall set me high upon a rock, and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, Yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and mother forsake me, when the Lord will take care of me, teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such has breathed out violence. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord and be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Just keep your eyes closed for one more moment. I want to read the infamous Psalm 91 because we're hitting on the secret place. He who dwells in the secret place. Say that out loud. He who dwells in the secret place. It doesn't say he who visits the secret place. It's he who dwells. He who stays in this place of affection. I, you can look at me real quick. When you study 
David, I, I shared this a little while ago. When you studied David, that when he was the king and he was in charge of the army, you know the tabernacle, that there was a time that the, the, the Ark of the Covenant was in a tent. Like literally, it wasn't in a nice building. Solomon built a really nice building later, but David was always on the run from his enemies and things like that. And they had the presence of God, an Ark in a tent, like just like a, you know, a little just a made-up little tent that they had. And when there was a war going on, you know, when David's talking about war in the Psalms, he's not talking about emotional war like you guys think. You know, like, I have a war going on. David was literally in the middle of wars. <laughs> there, was, there, was bla- there was things getting flown, people's heads getting cut off, craziness going on. And you know what David would do when he reads this, when he says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You know the Ark of the Covenant was symbolism for the presence of God. It was, and that the Ark, that when they had the tent set up in such a way that when the, the light of the sun would hit the Ark, that it would cast a shadow. And you know what David would do in the middle of war? When all, everybody is like out fighting and that there's all these armies, you know what David would do is he would hide under the shadow of where the ark was casting a shadow. He would hide under the shadow of the Almighty and he was completely convinced that nobody is going to touch him because he's in the presence of God. Did you know that you can live your daily life in the shadow? You can live in the shadow with your affections towards, toward, turned towards God, that you can be there. This, this, you can tell when you've been drawn away from his presence because what is his presence full of? So soon as joy is gone, you've stepped out of the realm. What else is in his realm? Peace. If you lose peace, you stepped out of the realm. He's given us keys to help us realize, because what is he, what is the Psalm 23 says? He says, The Lord is my shepherd. He leads us. And how do we walk? We walk by faith, not by sight. So if you're walking by sight, I want to ask you, how many steps have you been taking in the wrong direction? If you're walking by sight, how far have you gone based off what you can see when God has an unseen realm that will take you to your destiny, take you right to where you need to be, So it says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. Say that out loud. He is my refuge. This is not made up stuff, folks. If this doesn't become a reality to you, you're missing out on the greatest blessing of life. His presence and my fortress, my God, in him I will trust. Say that out loud. My God, in him I will trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers. Under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by the night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste in new day. This is what David's saying while there's a war going on. He's saying, I'm not going to be moved by the arrows. I'm not going to be moved by the war. I'm going to stay right here in the presence of God. When we say the promises of God are yes and amen, we're really saying his presence is the greatest promise. Amen. 
the faithful bride says amen to the presence of God being the promise. It's his presence. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right side, but it shall not come near you. Say amen to that. The, the, the church, the world is going crazy. Do you, not, no plague should stop the church. Come on, nothing should stop the church. We are the most powerful force on this earth. Things will get crazier. And people will try to say, it's just this little thing, it's just this little thing. You just know, you get with the people that love Jesus. And you hide under the shadow of the Almighty. And you don't listen to the opinions of the world. You don't listen to man because they will fail you. They will fail you. In fact, their purpose, they're the puppets of the enemy to get you to fail. You have to abide in this word. And if this word is just fairy tale to you, his presence won't be real to you. His word unlocks his presence. That's why when you get alone with the Lord, don't just have little fantasy time. Oh, you know, like get in the word and let him paint a picture of who he is through his words. There's a reason the Bible doesn't have pictures. It's because his words want to give you kingdom imagination. His words paint a picture on your heart of who Jesus is. It says, only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. Say, God is my dwelling place. His presence is my dwelling place. Not just a place I visit when I'm feeling bad. How many people make mistakes because they only use people when they're down? They only ask for help when they have no money. They only, you know, you, you, get, you can just tell the spirit behind that. It's a spirit of abuse. His dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra. <laughs> the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot, because he has set his love upon me. Say, I've set my love upon him. Therefore he will deliver us. Do you know what? Where deliverance comes from, it comes from where your love is directed. Where you're directing your love is where your deliverance comes from. If, you're, if you believe deliverance is through a method, you'll direct your heart towards a method. But if you set your love upon him, he'll deliver you. I set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Last thing I want to say to you, Matthew 4.4. 4. You know when Jesus was tempted, the first time he was tempted, you know, this was right after he got baptized. He gets drawn away into the wilderness. And when he's alone, what does the enemy say? He says, if you really are the son of God, turn this bread, or turn this stone into bread. And what does Jesus respond with? He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. What was he saying? He was saying man lives by prayer. Because it's not 
proceedeth. It's what's proceeding out of his mouth that when you get alone with him, that the reason he wasn't tempted to manipulate a natural situation is because he was content that the unseen realm in prayer was all that he needed. And that the enemy no longer could have a hold because how did the enemy get a hold with Adam and Eve? Trying to convince them Did God really say that? Don't you know that you'll become like God if you do this? Well, Jesus knew who his father was, and he says, I live by only talking to him. I live by only communing with him. If you close your eyes. Father, we thank you for the reality of your presence. We thank you that you are not a distant God, but you are an ever-present help in time of need. And Lord, we thank you that we're always, that we would have the conviction that we're always in need, not of things, but we're always in need of you. We know that you are with us, but We want to always have the conviction that the next breath rides on dependence on you. Father, right now, everyone under the sound of my voice, I thank you that that the way that I've experienced your, your glory, the way that you desire for us to experience your glory, I thank you that tonight before that, people leave, that they would have an encounter with the living God. You know, with your eyes closed, I want to share that, you know, I used to be a drug addict, and I know other people in here may have had a history with drugs, and you know one of the things that I, I, I noticed about drugs that a lot of people, you don't have to do them to know, is it causes an addiction. It causes something that you want that experience again, and you'll do whatever it takes. And there was, there was times that I would just try to find any little bit of cocaine on the floor mat of my car. I would try to find whatever I could just to get another experience. I would do the most undignified things to get another experience. And you know what it is, is that's the devil manipulating what God has ordained in the heart. Did you know that you're called to be addicted to his presence? And the enemy tries to get you addicted to entertainment. He tries to get you addicted to drugs. He tries to get you addicted to pride, addicted to being Uh, right all the time. He gets you addicted to even depression. He gets you addicted to uh, relying on people. But I'm here to tell you tonight that God wants to show you that if you just get a taste of his presence, you become addicted. You have to have more of Jesus. You have to have more of his presence.